Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon. My name is Nicholas Linky, and I'm here with my wife, Christina Linky. And we are a Heartland family of five. We have three children together. And today we're going to have a full episode where we talk about my reaction, which is how I bookend my class biology between evolution at the very beginning and then reproduction at the end, which with recent news has kind of played with the idea of how to address certain hot topic issues, including abortion. Right. And then we will talk about sign language and how with scientific language or anything, really, you have to kind of draw the image in the space in front of you so that the client has an understanding of what is actually being taught or said. Right. So it's one of those things that I go through a lot of explanations in my classroom and we sit there and discuss how would you explain this concept and be able to illustrate it? So we're going to do a little bit of that with you all. Sounds good. All right, here we go. <laughs> all right, we're here with the Delta to be able to discuss how science, school, family, politics, all intersect, overlap, and influence one another. So this is what the Delta is. It's my wife, Christina, and myself, Nicholas. And most of the time we discuss what's happening in our lives. And I kind of give a little bit of perspective about how the science overlaps with the politics. And then we kind of see how it affects those politics and science affect our family. Okay, so science question for you. Okay. Given the recent eclipse, is the full moon theory... If it's a theory, is there any basis that you believe? Because I highly believe in it, but from a science teacher dude aspect, what is your scientific assessment of said theory? So the idea is, is that in elementary school, right, the full moon creates a situation among the students that's oh it's a thing people it's it's chaos apparently <laughs> and it's just de destructive behaviors and anarchy and i don't know describe some of these other things that no that's about it that's about <laughs> it lots of tears sometimes from adults so we're gonna we're gonna cover that a little bit later on right. we have okay. other things to do right now one of those things is just to talk about what's happening next month so do you want to Go ahead and drop that in. June, June 11th. Oh, June 11th. June 11th. We are going to be at the Stevens Lake Amphitheater. Yep. And we in have Columbia, a, Missouri. We have a guest panel. We haven't announced everything yet, but it's going to be good. It's good. I've seen it is. I've seen pieces of it. And we're also going to do a talking politics. It's going to be a big thing. It's a big thing. All the hosts are going to be there. Correct. All, all the hosts. All the hosts. <laughs> so we're going to have. Adam and Sean and of course Rachel, of course, and of Kevin course. and you and me and we're probably only be oh yeah oh shuts <laughs> me <laughs> and we're gonna have probably our our kids are gonna make an appearance there they're gonna be running around like crazy with so. grandma and grandpa well, yes yes of course that has we gotta to be. have someone wrangle them because 
It'll be all over. But it's going to be a great time. There's the lake there, and we're eventually going to migrate over. I think it's going to be from 4 until 5. It's kind of meet and greet. And then it's going to be the panel and the live pod. The live pod. And then we have a music guest, I think, is what we're going to do to close out the night. Is it a LARP? Is that what it is? Live action role play or... Well, we have to ask Kevin about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for right now, we're going to make that announcement. We're going to keep hearing about it. Those of you on Patreon are going to find out about more about it quicker than others. So if you're not there yet and you want more information, grab yourself a little bit of uh, that Patreon magic. <laughs> that's, that's what we're going to call it. It's the Patreon magic. Patreon magic. <laughs> but right now I'm going to do uh, my reaction. My reaction. Teaching science in public education has been under attack from the beginning. The sacred versus the secular. Facts versus faith. Ultimately, this is a mischaracterization. Many people dedicated to empiricism have a robust belief system. They are not mutually exclusive. Accepting science does not require you reject religion. Instead, humans pursue questions until they reach confusion, not conclusions. The answers are always just out of reach, because reality is always more complex. We walk outside without a theory of gravity. We charge our phones with the uncertainty principle unresolved. We have children without having an understanding of epigenetics completely. Eventually, we just trust that it will work. We have to. However, the science versus religion dichotomy is a frame used by many to present a superiority of one over the other. Politically, the argument has taken the form, keep your theology off of my biology, my anatomy, or my autonomy. However, hostility towards religion in favor of science perpetuates the problem. We fear the unknown. And science always has another unknown. It relishes it. It embraces it. It celebrates it even. It refrains from simplifying it and criticizes itself immediately when it finds an answer. Science fails to be easy and makes many uneasy, whereas religion is designed to do the exact opposite. In my biology class, evolution is the first theme we hit and reproduction is the last. I am unapologetic. I recognize that some students may feel it is challenging their beliefs. And I state, this is my job. I am here so that you feel like you know less and have less answers to my questions upon leaving my class than you had coming in. Students are anxious to ask biology questions beyond the boring about the origin of life. This inevitably asks the ultimate question. If all cells come from pre-existing cells, where did the first cell come from? And when did this little phospholipid bubble with a little genetic information become life? And this year, from evolution to reproduction, when is a single human cell a human life? The real real. I'm about about it.
You ready about it? I'm ready about it. All that's right. what you just said. Are you ready about it? You want to record? You ready about it? I'm ready about it. That's that's going to be a thing now, too. Ready about it. I'm not about it. Ready about it. Like apostrophe. It's worse. B-O-U-T. So much cooler. <laughs> like the young kids now. Okay. So <laughs> science vocabulary is a huge thing inside yes. of my class and everywhere. Like scientific literacy pretty much is hinges entirely on you being able to make sense of Greek and Latin words. People most of the time hate science because one, it's graphs and math and interpreting statistics. And on the other hand, it's a bunch of Greek and Latin where you look at words and go energy ticket molecule thingy, right? <laughs> right. And instead you say adenosine triphosphate. You're like, what? The, what, the, what the, how many words and is that? And that's going to be a lot of finger spelling. Right. So, <laughs> so anyway, you were saying. Well, first of all, there are websites that people came together and discussed all of these extremely in-depth technical, technical terms. And they said, okay, well, how would you sign these? And these are all science education, you know, based individuals and so atomichands.com has this really cool uh, asl stem dictionary that multiple dictionaries i mean if you look at it it has core it has stem it's got so many things deaf stem it's really cool they also have like deaf md which is a not on atomic hands but deaf md is a website where a deaf individual could go and instead of you know reading it it's all signed. So you look for the problem you might have or the diagnosis that you might have received and you can click on it, go to it and go, oh my gosh. I mean, as a deaf individual, you can say, oh my gosh, there's all this information there. So when I've taken workshops for, let's just say medical workshops, they say, okay, first of all, you're going to have to understand if it's itis, it means inflammation. And if there's a prefix you have to know what this means or this means it's located in this area and it was this in-depth kind of thrown at you information right. I mean that we always joke and say you know interpreters should have all these degrees because they've done all <laughs> these things I could never ever be a doctor but <laughs> but I just think it's interesting like I agree with you you do have to have significant knowledge of of it and that's why whenever we go into it we go into any I, I am very big on mind mapping what might come up what's the situation about what do I need to go know going into it otherwise I will not feel ready I will not be prepared and I will be extremely nervous the whole time right right so Christina is a sign language interpreter which She's not a translator. So the distinction that a lot of times people are making like, oh, you speak sign language or, you know, how do you say this or whatever. And the interesting thing to me about it is that it's conveying a meaning that we're trying to break it down for, for my class. I try to break it down and explain things as best I possibly can. Let's use as many synonyms. Let's use as many different descriptors. Let's use an analogy. Let's try to get around all of these barriers and make it make sense to you. 
So it's not word for word whenever I'm explaining something. And that's the way sign language actually works. The deaf individual, the culture is also different. Even though it's built around the same ideas as far as trying to borrow language from each other almost. But there's not a word for word like, oh, this word means this word. When right. I point to this thing, this is what it is. A lot of it's conceptual. So you have to like illustrate you have to paint the picture with your hands you have to like build it all structure it in front of you and and kind of draw it all out so that it's not just one of these things you're like oh this is the word because if it was just the word you'd fingerspell everything you'd have to go through the alphabet right. and fingerspell it but that gives no understanding and the really interesting thing about it is is that christina is an educational interpreter so she's helping the individual build the language so it's even more substantial for that client to be able to say, oh, I'm not just learning about what my doctor's saying and having explained to me. This is how I'm building the words that I will use for the rest of my life. So we always have discussions right. during our classes that I'm teaching. Well, during the classes that I'm teaching, I say something and immediately I can see her just kind of yes. go <laughs> off into another world and i know what's happening now that we've been married for a while for a while <laughs> i'm like oh she's signing all this she's figuring out like she's how building would I build this, this in her brain right yes. how would i how would i take and make these cell how would i illustrate two cells splitting to talk about nicholas said mitosis like that's not going to help anybody like why do i do this so go ahead yeah and so in the beginning if you are setting all of this up you do have to spell just spell 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 a lot. So the kid also, the student, whatever the age right now in elementary, but so that the students understand. Now, I will say that there was one time where I did have, I was in high school and I, we were learning about sex education. Mm -hmm. We were talking about something along those lines. Obviously, they had learned it before, but we were talking about health and all that. And one of the first things the client signed to me was if they talk about this, this or this spell it because they're immediately going to try to stare at you <laughs> to <laughs> figure out, Oh my God, they just signed that. Let's watch the interpreter. See how they signed that word. That's cool. <laughs> so let's say as adults, right? Right. If I was to be, doing a presentation, right? Right. And I would just say, the testicles descend and the penis becomes erect. You would just sit there and just fingerspell all that. Uh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have to go back to that Rochester method and fingerspell every single thing there. Probably would not. Probably would get away with as much sign as I could, but that... <laughs> To make a pun, that would be hard. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, like that is kind of the issue that we've actually come to be in my class is that I start off my year with evolution right away. We do a little bit of nature of science to set it all up what the distinction between a law and a theory is sure. so that they understand that evolution behaves like a generalization, which would kind of be like a law as far as things change over time. And then we immediately transition to natural selection, which is the theory that explains how evolution occurs, right? The survival of the fittest is oftentimes how that's kind of portrayed in a more general sense. Yeah. But 
we go into that in depth. Like the first quarter, that's all we do is nature of science and evolution. And then we slip into the other themes. And by the end of the year, we start wrapping up the bigger question as far as like reproduction. And as I said before, the question always comes from the very beginning is biology is the study of life. And it's like, Mr. Linky, what is life? What What is it life? And what they're kind of getting at is what is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? What is the point? And I'm like, well, don't, don't search for your purpose too hard. You're 16 years old. You don't need to figure this out just yet. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness. For, you're going to look back and tell your 16 year old, your like your 16 year old self that. Oh, I, I told my what? 22 year old self that. <laughs> you don't have to ever. I'm sure you remind yourself multiple times throughout the year. You're right. like, shut up self. <laughs> But the kids are trying to make this all make sense to them. And eventually they go through and they say, where did life come from? And most of the time this is explained with creationism if you're stepping outside into a religious context. But when you're looking at public school education, you address it from a secular viewpoint. And to keep that kind of not necessarily divorced from one another, but more so from the standpoint of saying, listen, this is the way science addresses it based on the tangible world of the physical. And we're not going to cite any kind of metaphysical being, right? We're not going to cite right. any kind of thing that's beyond what I can senses and all that. Go ahead. I'll be honest. I will never forget. I, I had no idea what my beliefs were like I was still building them out of high school and all that it was not until I took an astronomy class I think it was an astronomy class anyway I watched good Carl science right Sagan, I'm really right the impression the, the, right the class. <laughs> totally great but he had us watch videos of Carl Sagan and there were so many there were I was so bored cringy on a lot yes they were very cringe but the one that if you have never seen it, um, the was it evolution in he's got two of them. One is maybe six minutes and the other one is a quick 30 seconds right. minute or something like that. And that was all of a sudden where I went, oh, my gosh, it all makes sense. Yeah. So it's what you're referring to is the black screen where it has like the ye yellow line that keeps morphing from one thing yes. into the other. Yes. And then eventually it creates the organisms that go from a single cell to a multicellular organism. And I think they even end with humanity, which yep. is honestly not probably the best way to it conveys a bunch of other misconceptions that one thing turns into the we're not talking about millions of years and all that kind of stuff that but yeah it is one of those things that a lot of people don't really have that perception of how that works out until they get to college mainly because it's avoided because it's right. still contentious <laughs> there's still an issue so what i've seen teachers do and i'm not accusing anybody of how they teach we all run out of time we all do at the end of the year Testing something happens. Something has to drop. And something falls off. Because is it evolution? <laughs> it, and sometimes it's evolution. Most of the time, what I see happen is, is that unless the teacher immediately addresses it in a certain way, evolution gets dropped from the end of the curriculum. Because what happens is that you get to the last few weeks of school where all two weeks of testing and the field days and the events and the concerts and the practices and the track meets. And I mean, you just keep going the FFA contests and whatever other kind of contests that are going on. Like it just never stops. And you're like, well, I mean, I guess we just stop here. 
we've just stopped here. And unfortunately, I feel like that is something that happens too often. So I said, no, I'm going to start immediately with evolution. And some people are like, well, how do you do that without genetics? Darwin did it without genetics. He had no idea right. that Mendel did anything with genetics. We had no idea <laughs> that pea, pan, pea plants existed. He even said, like, origin of species. And he's like, well, what's a species? He goes, you'll know when you see it. That was it. Like, <laughs> did he actually know or? No, he, the thing was, is that there's so many different definitions of what a species is, whether or not be a biological right. species, that whether it be a um, species that has to do with eco ecology, whether it has, has historical species, like all these different types of things that go into it. So he didn't really put a definition on it. But what I'm saying is, is that by the end of the year, something falls off. And for me, I always said, I have to do it at the very beginning of the school year. Otherwise, I'll lose. I'll lose that essential piece. Absolutely. It shouldn't be at the very end that you watch Carl Sagan go like, oh, my whole biology class all of a sudden makes sense. Yeah, but can I ask a question? Sure. Do you think that is strategic? From me? No. Don't you think that it could be strategic to place that at the end yeah i think it could i think it could be for some teachers i think it could be one of those things that when and it's not just the teachers the textbooks do it too you get to like chapter 14 15 16 17 even 18 like later on in the unit seven or something like that then it's finally the theory of evolution by natural selection it's like the last page of the book like the one sentence oh yeah and by the way there's something called evolution. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, look it up. And then and then the book most of the time transitions is like, here's all the massive amounts of different diversity in the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom and the fungi and all that like all that kind of stuff. But you never get that far yeah. in that book. Like biology textbook is way too way, 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 way too big for the kids to carry. They just sit at the bottom of their their lockers until the end of school. You're like, oh, there's an old chocolate milk, which literally happened this Ew. year. Old chocolate milk. And then underneath it's your textbook. You're like, this goes back to class. I thought I lost this. But I think you're right. I think it is, in a certain respect, strategic to avoid it, or some people intend on doing it and it gets lost. And I'll and I'll admit that from the standpoint that I've been avoiding reproduction for a very long time and put that at the end of my year. And sometimes it falls off the end of my curriculum. And I will say that partly that is me being strategic. This is just a reminder that the Delta is a member of the Heartland Pod family of podcasts. Join us every other Wednesday as we grow this show into a reflection of our lives where family, school, life, science, and politics all converge. Check out some of our other shows, including the Heartland Pod, the Fly Overview, High Country, and Let's Have a Chat. Also, you can check out some of our collection of family projects on GlassroomHive.com, like our family YouTube channel called Stink Finks, Nicholas's two-minute lectures on his Hourglass Science channel, and our published books, whether it be our children's book, Dharma and Eldon and the Sandwich, or our new adult fiction like the Nure series. Another way to be transparent about progressive lives in the Midwest, GlassroomHive.com. Now back to our show. So you said you're being strategic about it. Why? Because I see it as an issue where people have so many misunderstandings with the way that we've situated ourselves around the language 
of not being able to explain what the difference between mitosis and meiosis is. And using that terminology, it's like boring, right? It just, it just shuts it down. But the students are very, very interested in what that actually means when we talk about cell division and how you make sex cells, how you make gametes, how you make sperm, and how you make egg, and the interactions between the two, and how that actually fertilizes, and what that means. Because what happens is, and it is strategic from the standpoint of being like, oh, let's let it fall at the end of the curriculum. If I don't get to it, I don't get to it, and then I don't have to, I can avoid the the penis and vagina jokes. I can avoid the complications with what it means to be getting pregnant and how it means to fertilize an egg and all, all that kind of stuff. I but don't know how you handle yourself because I still laugh at that stuff. I know. I, I, and I, and I see it from the standpoint of this is a technical situation, right? This is, this is how I look at it from the standpoint of if you are careful enough about choosing your words with high schoolers for long enough, nothing is funny. I completely understand that. I mean, like when Bryson comes home, he's like, hey, mom, D's. And I was like, Bryson, stop all the time. And I'm like, OK, this is kind of funny. But I had to put on that face. Right. The but sometimes that face does not make it to my face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. Right. It's ridiculous. But it, it's it's one of those things that we are uncomfortable with it because we never address it. It is the fear of like the unknown. I don't know what this thing is. So it's either I'm afraid of it or it's giggle time. Right. Right. And I think that that's really where I'm at because I kind of avoid it from the standpoint that I know that sometimes the health is not addressed in the specific ways, but that's intentional in a lot of respects that everybody doesn't feel like they want to be the one to be able to discuss it. So the kids come with to me with questions because I do handle it this way. I do handle it from an aspect of this is how things work. And the explanations that I'm giving are more technical. But I think that it's just not illustrated to them as best as I possibly can make it. Because with all of the words and the language and the technicalities of all this kind of stuff, it's almost like I'm fingerspelling everything. Right. I'm laying it all out and they're just like. Absolutely. They just sit there and like, I don't understand. So I was talking to one of my colleagues and I said, I've kind of avoided, considering what's happening in the politics right now, I've kind of avoided the situation that we've talked about mitosis and meiosis. And they go, why? It's just cell division. Like, why does that matter? Like, what do you, why do you care about limiting yourself on that? And I said, because it immediately begs the question, if you have meiosis, which you copy the DNA, the cell splits. Both cells are identical. Then they split again to have half the number of chromosomes in four different cells. And one of those of the four gets all the cytoplasm and that goes and becomes the egg. And then you have four other sperms from the male version of that. And when they fertilize one another, right, whenever that comes together and the sperm fertilizes the egg, yeah. All of those words I start talking about zygote and blastula and I start talking about gametes. And but what I'm really asking is if all that happens and meiosis happens and then it starts with mitosis, that mitotic phase of going from one cell to two cells to four cells to so on and so on and so forth. What you're actually talking about is what is life? What is a human life? Right. What is that instantaneous moment? 
to where two cells that are recognized only as part of something become a whole thing. And when does that happen? So all of a sudden you're asking and you're painting the picture and explaining when life starts. What is the origin of life is the evolutionary question. Where is the origin of human life start for an individual? I think that would be really hard too to be, from my perspective, to be a science teacher. For you specifically, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but you have all of this knowledge and I think that the kids are so... They're thirsty for knowledge. You know what I mean? They want to know the answers, but sometimes they can be black and white. Like just Mr. Linky, tell me what is life is life at this point, this point or this point. And I think that would be really hard. It's is extremely difficult because what you're doing at that stage is you're now making an ethical determination. You're saying specifically this is when life starts, which now is debated about legally instead of being discussed scientifically. And I can give the scientific in person, like, like a, a scientific impression of what this is supposed to do. And I can even interpret it to a, to a certain extent, but it has nothing like whenever you say, I still giggle at those words, right? Ejaculate. And you're like, right. <laughs> but it's not that, that to me, that's not, that's not why I'm avoiding it. I'm not avoiding the giggles. I'm not avoiding the uncomfortableness of me actually determining whether or not I want these high schoolers to be, you know, wondering about what I'm going to say as a 38 year old man discussing what the drawings are on this, this slideshow. What I'm actually worried about is what the parents, what the community might say, but more so. I have a very supportive community. I have a very supportive right, amount of people. Like, yes. The students are very supportive. They're very, very curious. But I'm always so deeply concerned with the pushback whenever you have politicians that are interpreting all these scientific terms and they have no idea. No idea. No idea what they're talking about. They steal words from science, reduce them down. Make them into this one thing and then say, we're going to write a law about this. And you say, then explain mitosis to me. Like, I don't understand why that's even relevant. It's like, it's extremely relevant. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's meiosis makes the sex cells. The sex cells combine. Then it's all mitosis. It's all cell division. And you point to me where in those cell divisions, it's a person. And now they say, well, we know that fertilization is a thing. Let's draw the line there. And you go, dude, we gave you all these terms. Right. We gave you all these terms and now you're just deconstructing the language because you're picking one term that I doubt you can define. I doubt you could paint a picture with your hands to explain this to a child, to explain this to a deaf individual. I don't know most people who could. And that's why we need experts actually doing this. Absolutely. Instead of people that honestly, no offense, that probably went to do something in politics because Science didn't resonate with them, which means to me they probably didn't have an adequate science education to begin with. And knowing the state of Missouri and the education that I see these kids getting on a daily basis, that's probably true. Yep. The Delta is a mid-map media production. You can follow us at The Heartland Pod on Twitter or check us out at 
heartlandpod.com. Please consider signing up for the Patreon and joining us on June 11th. See you there.